Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. A big month for Stanford men's basketball, a big week ahead for a couple of Stanford football players. We've got you double covered on this week's episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity presented by the Believe Podcast Network. It is Monday, April 20th, 2020. Hope your week is off to a great start. Boy, I cannot wait to bring you this show. Welcome in. I'm Troy Clarity. Thank you so much for checking us out today. We have not just one, but two distinguished special guests on this week's episode. Very pleased to be joined in a few minutes by Stanford men's basketball head coach, Jared Haas. Boy, he's had an interesting month, and a lot of it in a good way, as Stanford making some big-time noise recruiting-wise. Zaire Williams uh, putting a pen to pad last week. Uh, one of the most coveted uh, Stanford, one of the most coveted college basketball players uh, available for uh, this year's, uh, for this fall. Uh, but Zaire is coming to the farm. We'll talk about that and plenty of other things with Jared Hass. My first real chance to really have a sit-down conversation with him. Looking forward to that. And later on in the show, we'll talk a little football. It's what we do best here on the TreeCast. And the draft coming up later on this week. Draft week is here. And what's on Colby Parkinson's mind? We'll talk with the Stanford football tight end and get his thoughts heading into the NFL draft. So Jared Hess and Colby Parkinson on this week's TreeCast. Don't go anywhere. Just, just, just sit right back and enjoy uh, this week's show. If in case you're new to the program, um, one, I'm Troy Clarity. Been following Stanford sports for 27-plus years mostly on the football side, but also plenty of hoops in my background as well. Hit me up on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Always appreciate that. You can also check out the Believe Podcast Network on BLEAV.com. Plenty of fantastic shows, great content out there. And if you want to advertise on the show, Cool. There's a section for that too, BLEAV.com. And if you are new to the program, I also encourage you, Hey, we've been doing this on the Believe Podcast Network. We've been doing this overall for four years, but we've been doing this overall on the Believe Podcast Network. We started this in early March, and we've had some some pretty good shows, I think. David Shaw joined us last week, the Stanford football head coach. Always great to go in-depth with him. That was about a 30-minute conversation. We covered a lot of things with Coach Shaw last week. Uh, Mark Madsen, the Stanford basketball great, was on a couple weeks ago. Um, Casey Tuhill whose name will be called in the NFL draft this upcoming week. And if you didn't hear our conversation with Kyle Peterson, the uh, All-American Stanford pitcher from the mid to late 90s, who is now the lead analyst for uh, college baseball on ESPN, I, I really highly suggest that you uh, check that uh, conversation out. Uh, Kyle Peterson is, 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 is honest and as forthcoming an interview as, as I think I've done. So hit, hit, check out the vault after you're done with listening to this show, but uh, check out some of the other things that we've been doing on the Believe Podcast Network over the past few weeks. I think you'll be very happy with it, especially if you are a Stanford fan. 
As usual, we begin the TreeCast by getting you three things you need to know about the Cardinal and around Stanford Athletics right now. Let's dive in and start with number one. And unfortunately, we have to start with a situation that is unfortunate on, on so many different levels and, and really all the way around. Uh, Aiden Hector, uh, who committed and signed with Stanford to be a part of the Cardinal class of 2020, had his admission rescinded last week. Hector was involved in a police investigation a couple of years ago in his hometown of Bellevue, Washington, on the east side of the Seattle metro. That investigation centered around sexual assault allegations involving a then 16-year-old girl and players on Eastside Catholic's football team, of which Hector uh, was a member. Now, the investigation ran eight months. There were no charges filed, but still some fallout being felt um, as a result of that investigation. And part of that fallout, uh, the unfortunate uh, rescission of uh, Aiden Hector's admissions uh, to Stanford University. Now, Hector uh, was a four-star cornerback. He chose Stanford over Alabama, Oregon, and USC, among others. So... Just just an unfortunate situation all the way around. And, and I really think that's that's all I'm qualified to say um, on that going forward. Let's get to number two. How about Stanford Wrestling? A fantastic season for them, finishing second in the Pac-12 championships. Of course, they were not able to move on to the NCAAs because the NCAAs were not held this year. But Stanford Wrestling with three of its members earning All-America honors. That was announced late last week. A couple of first-teamers, Rial Woods winning All-American first-team honors in the 141-pound uh, weight class, and Shane Griffith, just a season for the ages. More on that in a moment. Uh, he's a first-team All-American in the 165-pound weight class. And Nathan Trexler, second-team All-American in the 197-pound category. Trexler, 69 career wins. That's the most on Stanford's active roster. Woods won the Pac-12 title at 141 pounds. He went 19-1. and And Shane Griffith, we talked about him a few weeks ago on the TreeCast, 28-0 as a redshirt freshman. How about that? And named Pac-12 Wrestler of the Year. So Stanford Wrestling continuing to move up. And those three young men getting national recognition. Woods, Griffith, and Traxler, all named All-American in wrestling. Let's get to number three. Many folks dealing and grappling with the COVID-19 crisis, and some folks are actually doing something about it and trying to help out their communities as much as they possibly can. One of them is Wiley Rogers, a sophomore who is on the Stanford sailing team as he is helping out in Houston. He's been delivering face shields to protect staff at uh, Houston area medical centers who are on the front line of dealing with the coronavirus crisis. Rogers' father has a printing company. Uh, that company changed up their production to start make uh, face shields and to try to help out as much as they possibly could. Uh, Rogers, part of a subject of uh, the latest just masterpiece from David Kiefer. Kiefer, in case you're not aware of his work, uh, one a member of this of the GoStanford.com uh, writing staff and part of the Stanford uh, Media Relations uh, staff uh, at Stanford Athletics. And he writes just some boffo features on the Stanford athletes and does a fantastic job. He did one on Shane Griffith uh, not too long ago. Uh, but his latest one on Wiley Rogers and Rogers' efforts to uh, be a part of uh, battling uh, the COVID-19 crisis, specifically in Southeast Texas. So, look, I always tell you to read David Kiefer's stuff. 
I, I especially encourage you to do so now as uh, he profiles Wiley Rogers. And kudos to Wiley. Kudos to the other uh, Stanford student-athletes who are doing their best uh, in their communities uh, to uh, be at the front lines and to help those who are truly on the front lines of uh, dealing with this situation. So uh, thanks a bunch to Wiley Rogers and everyone else, all the folks who are, who are trying to help keep us going. Those are three things. Well, it's been a big, big month for Stanford men's basketball. Maybe not quite the ending to the season that it wanted, but so far so good in this offseason. Recruiting already trending up heading into early last week and then on Easter Sunday, the biggest fish that Stanford has landed in quite some time. Zaire Williams is coming to the farm. Here to discuss that, all other things Stanford men's basketball, a pleasure to be joined for the first time on this program by the head coach of Stanford Men's Hoops, Jared Hass, our special guest here on the TreeCast. Coach, really appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So, so any, any big recruiting news happened with the Cardinal over, over the past week <laughs> or so? <laughs> well, it's, uh, we're able to, uh, uh, who knows if it's, if it's done for sure, but uh, we've, we've put our fourth member of our class together with Zaire Williams and uh, was certainly a shot in the arm for the program and uh, finished us out of class that we think is uh, pretty special and will provide a lot of enjoyment to uh, Cardinal fans moving forward. Yeah, well, we'll get your overall thoughts on the class here in a moment or so, but obviously Zaire Williams taking top billing, uh, the highest ranked player that Stanford's been able to land by many of the recruiting services uh, in quite a while. you got to go back to the Lopez twins about a dozen or so years ago. And, and, and you know, there, there's, the, there's the saying, always be closing. That's a big thing in sales. Also a pretty big thing in recruiting as well. Seem to be closing, uh, always seem to be a pretty big thing in getting Zaire Williams to sign for Stanford. What did it take for, for you to get him to sign on the dotted line? Well, you know, it's funny. The, the closing pitch was, was not very impressive uh, from my standpoint because it was such a long recruitment. You know, it's multi-years, two and a half years that we built a very, very close relationship. I had uh, flown all over the country and even the world to go see him. And, um, and you know, the, the letters, the phone calls, the text messages, everything we could do over a two and a half year period. And it was kind of funny at the end of it. It wasn't some big, hey, you got to come here. Here's the reasons why. It was more of a, hey, we've done everything we're supposed to do, you know, and if it's the right fit, you'll come here. But it wasn't a hard sales pitch at the end. So my closing skills were probably uh, not the most impressive. But the, the reality is, I think, uh, the work that the staff put in uh, over the long term, I think, paid off at the end. Yeah, certainly a terrific job by yourself and, and, and the staff. And I'm sure the, the, the handwritten notes, 365 of them over the course of a one year, one every single day, uh, didn't hurt matters much as well. Um, you mentioned the rest of the class, Zaire has mentioned getting top billing, but certainly a, a, a few other, three other guys, three other young men who can make big contributions to the squad as well, it seems, in the, in the years to come. Yeah, and we have... Um you know, kind of a wide variety of uh, skill sets and, uh, you know, positions. And, and it's a class I think could be a really a foundational class for us. Uh, Noah Tates from Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas uh, is a heck of a player, can play both guard spots, can really shoot the basketball, is a tough competitor, really loves the big moment. Um, Brandon Angel, uh, kind of a really a big-time shooter, but also a complete player uh, from San Diego, about six seven or so, and uh, excited about him. And uh, Max Merle from uh, 
from Nebraska, and he's 6'9 and long as can be. Uh, his dad was a 7'4 high jumper in college, and so I think he got some of those genes and is bouncy, shot blocker, uh, skilled, can shoot from all over the place. And um, so those four, I think, collectively add a great deal of shooting uh, and a great deal of skill to what we're doing, and uh, they're all excited to, to get on, on the farm soon. Of course, the big question is how many floor burns can we expect from this class? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> they knew that going in. It's, uh, you know, they're going to compete. And uh, this year, you know, this past year for our team, I think we really laid a foundation. It was good. And, and these guys saw the guys diving on the floor and playing as hard as they can and, and, and for the name on the front of the jersey. So I think they're excited about joining that and they're going to know the expectations. Now, a nice 2020 class overall. Uh, meanwhile, Tyrell Terry declares for the NBA draft. We'll see how that goes. Overall, what do you think the trajectory of this program is as we speak here in mid-April? Well, we think we're on the right path. And I think one thing we did a nice job with as a staff is, is making a game plan early on in my tenure here and then uh, having that plan and then, and then seeing it through. And the reality is there's not a lot of quick fixes uh, for the basketball program at Stanford. I mean, it's, it's something that you don't build it with transfers and junior college kids and grad transfers. You build it with freshmen. You, you build it with stability. And with that, it's not something that changes year by year, day by day. It's something that it evolves over time. And so I think we've had a plan in place, and I think we're executing the plan well. Uh, I don't think we've gone from horrible to great overnight by any means, but I think the trajectory is a positive one. I think we're moving the program in the right direction. Uh, I think we're going to have a chance to compete uh, next year with a talented group, uh, a hungry group, uh, but also understand this is not the, certainly not the end of a road right now. We're looking to continue to build and grow the program going forward. And there's still, in my mind, still a lot of room for growth as we continue to develop and we continue this plan. Yeah, and I think we saw some of those moments of growth throughout the course of this past season. Very good moments. Also, a few games that got away. Uh, what went right? What could have gone better for the squad last year? Yeah, a lot of things went right. Our defense was, was really, really good. Uh, our offense, if you take out the turnovers, was really efficient and really good as well. Um, and so I guess that answers the next question is uh, what could have gone better? I think valuing the basketball is going to help us in the long term. And the, the other thing is, if you look back at our season, there were only a couple games where we got beat, you know, got beat by more than 10 points or the other team was just better than us. Um, and so we lost a fair number of games that were close games down the stretch. And one thing going into next year, that experience can hopefully um, help us learn and grow and how to finish games more effectively. We won our share, share of close games as well. Uh, but those close games that were one possession or last possession, kind of games if we can flip some of those in our favor it would change from you know maybe a good year to a potentially great year this year yeah and as you well know the margin for error uh, and the margin of victory in so many instances in college basketball can be so so razor thin uh season obviously did not end the way you would have preferred uh, not only with the loss to cal um in the first round of the pac-12 tournament but also the college sports just shutting down uh, the very next day after that uh, what have been some of the biggest things on your plate since then, after getting back from Las Vegas and back to the Bay Area, and as things started to, to, to settle down just a little bit, what have been some of the biggest things on your plate over the past six weeks or so? Yeah, the number one thing was keeping everybody healthy, you know, getting our, our guys home, uh, and every, there's nobody left on campus right now, and uh, getting them home, getting them safe, and that was the number one thing. And then trying to find a, a way to uh, – 
progress academically, making sure they're in a spot where they can uh, uh, do the online courses and get things accomplished there, making sure, again, we talked about their health and then the physical part of it. You know, most of the guys don't even have access to a, to a hoop right now. And so we're talking about, you know, giving them ideas for form shooting, giving them ideas for ball handling skills, giving them ideas. Maybe number one is for physically, how can they progress and get stronger and quicker and faster right now? And our strength coach is working them with that. And everybody has different, um, different things at their disposal and it makes it challenging uh, to try and gain, gain strength, gain quickness right now in this, in this time. Uh, but our strength coach is doing good. I think our guys are doing a nice job with it. And it's not even that we're trying to do as well as we would normally do with a, with the strength coach and with our, uh, with our facilities and the discipline of having everybody here, but it's more, can we still make gains when it's a, a, a challenging time? And one of my players was excited because uh, he found a couple sandbags and was fill, filled them with sand and just another way to, to do different exercises with sandbags. So we're getting creative and trying to find different ways to, to execute that part of it. Yeah, and obviously I'd imagine a little bit of scrambling, and at least initially, as far as communication with your staff as well. How have you and the rest of the staff uh, been, been, been trying to adjust uh, to a new way of living and working? Well, there's so many, uh, you know, new technologies. Uh, you know, Zoom was something nobody even really knew about uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> now it's uh, part of every day and multiple times every day. I actually just got off a, a Zoom call with my staff and we, we talked, you know, everything from recruiting to uh, our current players and, and all of that. So we have, we have a lot of staff meetings. We have a lot of, uh, you know, communication just one-on-one -on -one by phone. Um, but there's constant contact uh, with the staff and with the players and, you know, with, with Slack, with Zoom, uh, with phone calls, with text messages. And so just the uh, – it, it is also more challenging. I think I was talking to one of my friends in coaching who's a head coach, and he made a comment that's probably pretty, pretty accurate, that in 45 minutes in the office, uh, you know, on a normal day, uh, now takes about five hours to be able to get things done. You know, because it can't just be, hey, everybody, here's what, you know, here's the phone call I just made. It's it, the information's out there. You have to use different ways and different points of contact to get all that information across. So it actually takes a lot more time to get that done. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I always love talking to coaches about information because there's certainly so much more of it now in a lot of different ways and a lot of different numbers and analytics and all sorts of, of, of nutritional things. There's so much more information that coaches have to work with now um, than they did a decade ago, maybe even five years ago or so. Uh, how do you kind of walk that line between soaking in all the information you possibly can and knowing what's truly important and boil it all down uh, to, what the, to the really important things that you need to know to make the decisions you need to make in order to run the program and, and win ball games? I know that's a, it's a great comment and it's a great observation. I think uh, for all of us, it's, uh, the access to information is so readily available and you know as a head coach you have the assistant coaches you have uh donors you have the players you have recruits all feeding you a variety of information and all of it's really good and how you process that and then implement that i think is really important um you know i, I tend to be a little bit slower to I, I i try and take all the information in and my staff knows this now is that um you know i'm usually slow to act in other words i don't want to just, oh, cool idea, let's do that. I want to take it, I want to process it, I want to talk about it. And then when we implement something, do something, it's all in. It's both feet in, we're going all in with that thing, whether it's, you know, offense, defense, whether it's, how, you know, what kind of content we're talking about in our team meetings. 
Um, but it is something I think that's really important is how you process the information, how you soak it in and then redistribute it. Because uh, I think it's really easy to just put too much information out there and now nothing sticks. You know, it's, it's one of those things when we came here, we talked about our core values, which are invested, tough and selfless, which is three words, three ideas that we talk about all the time. But, and there's many, many, many other ideas and words and phrases and thoughts that are good, but you can only have three core values and those are our core values. And I think we made that decision early on that we're not going to have a lot of other things that we clutter. We're going to talk about those things as truly core to us. And I think that's important. And those are truly things that you can't quantify. And those are the th truly things that, uh, that likely separate uh, and help win ball games uh, from one ball, from one ball club to another. Uh, what, what did you miss? What did this sport miss by not having the NCAA tournament and by not having the final four this year? We miss a lot. You know, we, we put ourselves in a position to, to be considered for the NCAA tournament, which would have been a big shot in uh, the program uh, arm and, you know, and an opportunity for us to advance in that way. But uh, that part's probably not as big of a deal, but it's the idea of um, so much excitement. You know, the March Madness is such an exciting time. It's something that, uh, guys remember for the rest of their lives as a country uh, it would have provided you know sports in general if we can get up and running again at some point provides uh, so much uh, unity and so much uh, something to rally around and without sport in general it makes it really challenging but uh, not having the NCAA tournament was a it was disappointing it was frustrating um, and everybody understands uh, you know why obviously uh, but it is something that we we missed out on something uh, from a player perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a fan perspective, and hopefully we can get back and play that next year. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting them back to normal in a lot of different ways, and certainly uh, having that uh, to look forward to next spring uh, would certainly be uh, fantastic once again. Um, next season, Pat 12 is going to a 20-game conference schedule up from 18 uh, which has been the norm since the Pac-10 became the Pac-12 um, or at least or at least even even back before then when the Pac-10 was just played everybody home and away back in those days um, what changes with the 20 game conference schedule how does that affect uh, affect things from a non-conference scheduling standpoint well you have to be a little bit careful of uh, over scheduling you know it's uh, you're basically adding two um, you know that was tournament committee would say quad one or quad two type games and really tough games and so you have to be a little bit careful of over scheduling um we have a we're going to have a really challenging schedule next year in our non-conference but it is two less opportunities in the non-conference um you know we'll be going to maui next year which is going to have three games at, a, at the highest level possible um you know and we're going to go to new york and play georgia tech in new york and so uh, our schedule is getting close to being completed uh, you know, and getting those contracts all done. But it is something we want a challenging schedule. We, we like our team. We think we uh, should be able to compete at a high level. But knowing that you're adding two conference games, you do need to make, be careful not to overschedule. Now, I was talking, I had Mark Madsen on the show a couple weeks ago. He, of course, is the head coach now at Utah Valley. I was like, hey, Cardinal versus Wolverines, what do you say? And he was all about it. So maybe maybe keep that in mind if you need an opponent or so. Yeah, definitely keep it in mind. And it's, uh, you know, the, the scheduling piece is so uh, – uh, so challenging. We work with the conference directly and there's, uh, in a good way, there's a lot of um, um, kind of rules and regulations and, you know, the net rankings and what we're trying to do to, to put the, the best schedule possible. Uh, but Mark's doing a fantastic job and, um, you know, who knows down the line that may be something we, we get on the docket. 
Some shockwaves, in a sense, personnel-wise uh, with college basketball. Jalen Green uh, bypassing college hoops and going to the, straight to the G League. Um, what's your initial read on what kind of effect that could possibly have uh, on college basketball? Boy, that's a, that's a can of worms right there in terms of trying to figure out what college basketball is going to look like uh, you know, this year, next year, the year after. You have so many moving parts um, not just the NBA, not just the one and done. Now guys leaving early for the G League. Um, transfer uh, issues, you know, they're talking about uh, transfers can play right away. Does that start this year? Does it start next year? Is it past? Uh, college basketball continues to evolve. You know, it's not something that was, uh, when I took the job, you know, four years ago, um, it was some way, in many ways, a different job than what Stanford was 10, 15, 20 years ago. But even since I've been here in the four years I've been here, it's a completely different job than when I took it um, just four years ago. The landscape of college athletics has changed so much. Um, you know, the role of kind of the NBA and, and guys' thoughts with that and the money with the NBA, how the process works with the NBA, how uh, transfers and the, the increase in transfers and grad transfers. Things have changed so much. And the job, again, in, in just in four years is completely different than when I took it uh, just a few years ago. All right, uh, let's wrap it up on, on this. Uh, exciting times, uncertain times as well. Uh, what's your message to Stanford Hoops fans right now as we look ahead to, to what could possibly be to come uh, for the Cardinal? Yeah, I think it's, there's reason to be excited. I think we're growing the program in a, in a positive way. Uh, but the reality, too, is we haven't done a darn thing yet. And I think that's going to be the message to the team of uh, keep working hard, keep doing what we're doing. But uh, once we get together, it's going to be, you know, we, we weren't in the NCAA tournament, you know, and we can say, you know, maybe we had a chance and we were right on the, on the verge right there. We had 20 wins this past year, but we didn't achieve uh, uh, a whole lot. We don't have a ring on our finger. We didn't cut down any nets. And so the next step of the program is, is thinking big, thinking aggressively. But the reality too is, um, you know, the message to my team is going to be, we have a chance to be really good, but there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done. Um, we need to stick together as a team. We need to grow as a team. And we're, we're, I feel like we've put ourselves in a position to take a step forward and that's the next goal. And I think there is reason for excitement. I think we have some good players. I think it will be fun to watch. Um, and then for the fans, I would say uh, support us, you know, come out and see us play and we're going to do everything we can to uh, continue to build the program uh, in the way we've done the last couple of years. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing what's next. I can't wait. I know you can't wait. And um, just looking forward to uh, seeing how it all shakes out um, in the months and in the next uh, few years ahead. Coach, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Best of luck. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Best of luck in those respects uh, to you, the players, the staff, and your family as well. Really appreciate the time. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Appreciate Jared Hass's time again. That's, I think, my first chance to have a sit down one on one with him. Glad he could come right now at this point in time. He's excited and, and rightfully so uh, with the folks that are coming back. Uh, and, and look, there are some games that got away that that game at USC um, uh, for, for Stanford Cardinal up by 25 and, and still unfortunately found a way to lose a couple of other road wins, uh, that, that could have been in hand. Uh, Cardinal could not find a way to close it out, but that one against USC, I think, unfortunately, um, kind of set the Cardinal on a bit of a course from which they could not completely recover, but still good talent coming back and good talent coming in as well. 
that's a very neat combination to have, especially in a Pac-12 conference that, look, I'm, I'm no Pac-12 hoops expert, not as much as I was about 15 or so years ago, but I still know this, conference appears to be wide open again next year. Uh, it, it wasn't easy. The, the middle of the Pac-12 conference was, was quite broad this past season, and I'm not necessarily seeing anything and keeping an eye on things around the conference and men's hoops uh, to indicate that that's necessarily going to change at this point. Now, obviously, it's a long, 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 and maybe a longer time off than we'd like uh, a long time since uh, we'll, we'll get back to the college uh, to the college basketball season. And a lot of things can happen between now and then, but but as of right now, I would certainly have to think that Stanford has to like where it is sitting and the position that it could possibly be in uh, once things fire up again in college men's hoops. Now, admittedly, as mentioned, I am not a college hoops expert per se, but if you're looking for online wagering experts, I've got the folks for you. Bet online. BetOnlineA.ag. Now, there might not be any sports going on, but there's still plenty happening that you can uh, wager on. Esports, American Idol. They have a $750,000 poker series. They have an online casino with poker and blackjack as well. Still a lot of fun to be had. So go to BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. And you'll receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Glad they're along for the ride with us here on the TreeCast. When you look up the phrase matchup problem in the dictionary, you're going to see a picture of our next guest. The NFL draft is this week. It begins on Thursday. And Stanford, once again, in fantastic position to have a few players have their names called and start their careers on the next level. One of them joins us right now, six foot seven, 252 pounds. All Pac-12 second team last year was also a semifinalist for the John Mackey Award, which is awarded to the uh, best tight end in college football. Honor and a pleasure to talk to Colby Parkinson, who joins us right now on the TreeCast. Colby, appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. You bet. Big week ahead. The draft just a <laughs> few days from now, beginning on Thursday and continuing on um, into the weekend. It, it's all led to this. Kind of take us through some of the biggest things that you've worked on over the last couple of months in preparation for this week and for this event. Right. So the biggest thing that we did was the combine. Um, so it was training January and uh, all throughout February for that. And then after that, it was supposed to be pro days and it was supposed to be workouts and, and visits with teams. But with everything going on, obviously, we weren't able to do that. So um, kind of just been training at home. Um, since the combine, uh, I was I was up in NorCal training for a little bit, but then came home once uh, they threatened to shut everything down just so I could be with family, and then um, just had some phone calls and and FaceTime interviews with teams. But other than that, it's been different than expected for sure. Yeah, yeah. How have you been able to get your training in over the past month or so? Right. So thankfully, I actually live on my high school campus now. So. Uh, my parents live in the dorms that were built for the foreign exchange students. So I'm at, I have access to the weight room and the football field and kind of the best case scenario for me. Um, been very lucky in that sense. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Nice job and uh, nice uh, to be able to have that, uh, have that as a ready option for you. Um, mm-hmm. How big of a difference is it training your body for the combine and training for actual real-life football? Because those are, those are two very different things from a physical standpoint. What are some of the things that you kind of had to, had to change around a little bit as far as training and getting ready for the combine and, and, and the build-up to the draft? Right. So for the combine, um, it's all about peak performance, right? So you're just trying to get in the best possible shape you can for one day. Um, but for uh, the time after the combine, um, especially not having any workouts or anything that I really need to be ready for just for football whenever that comes, um, I'm able to actually push it a little more and I'm able to, to work out harder because um, I don't need to be necessarily 100% ready to run the day after uh, a workout. So um, able to push it a little more and, and kind of get myself uh, stronger and more ready for the uh, uh, for the team that uh, drafts me this uh, this coming Thursday or Friday. What was your coolest moment at the combine? Coolest moment? I think just talking to all the teams. I mean, it was such a cool experience being able to um, uh, just interact with all of them. It's a pretty wild event. So you're um, for part of it. There's these things called informal meetings where you're just in a room. And every single team is in there with scouts and coaches and um, anyone that they want to uh, to talk to you. And they're just grabbing you and talking to you for 10, 15 minutes at a time. And then the next person grabs you and you're in there for like three hours. And uh, it can't get long, but I actually really enjoyed it because it was a great opportunity to get in front of teams and, and just talk to them and, and get them to know me. Yeah, t- attacking experience, not just physically, but mentally as well with all mm-hmm. the all the things that are that are poking and prodding at you, and sometimes in, in a literal sense as well. Uh, right. Yeah, has some eligibility on the table. Decided to forego it and and enter the draft this season. What were some of the things that went into that decision uh, to enter the draft this year? Yeah, I mean it was a very tough decision. Obviously, I love my time at Stanford. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to go there. Um, I hadn't made my decision during the season. I wanted to focus on the year and try to be. Uh, the best captain I could be and be the best uh, teammate I could be to um, my guys on the team. And um, ended up taking about three weeks after the season to make my decision, spent a lot of time talking to coaches, family, and honestly just a lot of time in prayer trying to figure out what the right thing for me to do was and felt a really strong sense of peace about about declaring early and, and felt like it was the right thing in my life uh, at this time and was super excited about the opportunity and uh, just felt like I needed to, to do that. Stanford is tight end university. I, I don't think that there is any question about that. I saw a list from ESPN stats and info earlier in the week, earlier last week that said uh, that uh, had the top 10 running back universities and Stanford didn't make it. I still can't believe that. Yeah. But there's no doubt about it. Stanford is tight end you with, with, with Ertz and Kobe Fleener and Dalton Schultz and, and Caden Smith. You're the latest in that long line. Uh, how tight is the camaraderie amongst current tight ends for Stanford and and how tight is that camaraderie do, do, do you got do you guys uh you know with, with Zach Ertz and Kobe Flinner is there a, a lot of uh, a communication and camaraderie amongst the, the tight end alums over the last uh, dozen years or so for Stanford yeah there's definitely um some some aspect like that I've uh been able to talk to Zach a lot uh, recently and uh, him and I've gotten a little closer uh over the past year or so we go to the same church back in Palo Alto so um, we have that similarity there. Um, I actually trained at the same place as Hoop, too. So uh, he was able to show me some things and, and work with me and try to help me get ready for uh, my first year in the league. And then, um, obviously, guys that I played with, like Caden and Dalton, 
uh, are people that I, I've reached out to as well during this process to um, uh, help me through the decision to declare or not, and then as well as getting ready for the combine. Take me back to Stanford's uh, game against Oregon State 2018, <laughs> night game against the Beavers, and you walked off the field at the end of it with uh, four touchdown catches on the night. How much fun uh -huh. was that evening, and, and what went right for you that night? Yeah, I mean, it, it's stuff that we've been working on all practice, all year, I mean, all summer. Those jump balls, we work, we drill them so much. So um, it wasn't anything new, really. It just, the ball just happened to go my way. I think JJ uh, wasn't playing that game. So um, when the uh, quarterback would, might be looking towards him for some jump balls and me for some others, he was looking towards me for all of them. So um, that could have led to it. And I think we were just clicking as an offense. I mean, it. It was a great game for, for the whole team. We ended up handling them pretty well. And um, it, was, it was definitely fun, for sure. And it, was, uh, it was quite a game. Now, now, take us inside the huddle. You hear the play call, and it's, it's the fade. You know, what sort of things go through your mind as you prepare for what you might need to do next? And, and, and just kind of take me through, I, I guess, in a sense, uh, the anatomy of, of catching a, 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 a fade in the end zone. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hear the play call. I go out there. Um, first thing I do is just look at my matchup and what type of defense they're playing. And for some reason, they only put one guy on me even after I had two or three touchdowns. So um, I knew that the ball was going to come my way. I just had to get position and make it obvious for the quarterback where to put the ball um, and then go up and get it. Um, just think of it like getting a rebound, uh, taking it off the backboard. So got to go up and get the ball and take it away from the defender. You catch touchdowns. Oh, by the way, you throw for touchdowns as well. You <laughs> threw for one on that uh, that throw to Davis Mills uh, mm -hmm. in Corvallis last year. What do you remember from from that play call? As you heard it in the huddle, and you went, "Oh, oh boy, what 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 could this possibly be?" Yeah, I mean, I had been telling the coaches to call that play for three years, and uh, <laughs> once they finally called it, I was so nervous. <laughs> they called it, and I was like, "Oh man, I actually have to throw this now," um, and. Uh, it was it was it was awesome though. I mean, Davis obviously went up and made a great play, uh, high pointed the ball for some reason. I don't know why he knows how to do that, but um, <laughs> he was went up and made you. a great catch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it funny. I came off to the um, sideline. Davis looks at me. He's like, "Isn't it nice when your receivers bail you out?" And I said, "Yes, it is." Because <laughs> well, I, I swear, I threw it up, and then three defenders appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, I have no idea where they came from, but no, that was that was awesome. That was really fun, and um, glad Davis went up and made a great play. Yeah, yeah, a special play uh, from Stanford uh, for last year, uh, and I'm sure that when they when when your decision was announced to to go to the NFL draft, I'm sure there was a lot of celebration in Corvallis because you won't be tormenting the Oregon Beavers <laughs> um, anymore. Um, KJ Costello. Versus Davis Mills. Mills, of course, now will be running the show for Stanford. It will be his his job uh, in total uh, starting this upcoming fall. Obviously, you caught passes from both KJ and Davis. Kind of compare and contrast both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard when you have two NFL caliber quarterbacks on the same team, right? I mean, uh, without KJ getting hurt, I mean, I'm sure he would have been a top prospect this year. And I mean, he's he's a special talent, a great leader, someone that's gonna. Um, fight to win no matter what um, really unfortunate um, with the injuries he had in the past couple of years and um, I think he's going to be super successful with Mike Leach out Mississippi State I think that's going to be awesome to watch um, and then you have Davis I mean he's he makes all the right throws he's 
smart, um, very, very talented. I was lucky enough to go to the opening with him too uh, uh, in high school. So been been with him for a while. And I mean, he he's a he's a great quarterback. And I think he's going to do um, some really special things this year for Stanford. And I'm excited to see him get his opportunity. It's just unfortunate that um, him and KJ uh, happen to be here at the same time. Should be interesting to watch with uh, with Davis uh, running the show for Stanford going mm-hmm. forward. Uh, versatility. You know, you're not just a guy who just lines up, you know, on the line of scrimmage. You split out. You play wing back. You're all over the place a little bit. You know, obviously that, that calls for, uh, for, for different route sets and route trees and all those sorts of things. Uh, what, what are your favorite routes to run? Yeah. Um, so at Stanford, we run a lot of verticals, um, as you've seen, just a lot of seam balls. So I like things that stem off of that, whether that be like a, a deep sail it's at like 15 or yards or 10 yards or um, a curl or anything like that. Anything that I can sell that seam ball on and then break away from it because everyone's expecting the back shoulder seam ball. Um, so being able to break off of that um, really opens myself up. And certainly helps you get open and make big mm-hmm. catches, move the chain, right. even uh, get in the end zone every once in a while. Um, obviously, this is going to be a slightly different draft experience than, than anyone's ever had, given the circumstances. Roger Goodell is going to be going to be calling out the picks in the first round from his basement at his house in Westchester. Uh-huh. That's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, yeah. g- given that, how's your draft week shaping up? Uh, how are you going to be spending it? Who's going to be with you? Obviously, it can't be that many people with the yeah. place and social distancing and all those sorts of things. H- how's this week shaping up for you? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be family, um, obviously, down here in SoCal uh, with me. Um, honestly, not much is going to change for me. Uh, that's kind of what I was planning on doing anyways. Um, it'll, it'll be weird, though, watching it and seeing if there's any technical difficulties during the whole process, because I'm sure there will be. And um, Yeah, I'll just be, just be with family and, uh, um, and watching it, waiting for that phone call. Well, it should be an interesting uh, draft weekend, obviously. Uh, any indication on, on what happens afterwards? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of unknown uh, as far as the process, as far as you know, OTAs, off-season stuff. A- any indication on, on, on what the process could possibly be after draft day is done? Yeah, so what I've heard is that um, OTAs probably won't happen in person. I mean, uh, with the stay-at-home order being, what, till May 15th now, um, there's obviously going to be issues there. So I think it's going to be virtual sessions for OTAs. Um, but that's obviously up in the air. We'll see what, what goes down in these uh, next couple of weeks. And then, um, if possible, the first report date would be for camp um, in July is what I've heard. But that's all rumors. I mean, obviously, I haven't talked to the teams so, and, and stuff every single day now. So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, interesting times ahead uh, all, mm-hmm. all, all the way around. Uh, as we wrap this up here, uh, fill in the blank for me. The team that drafts me will be getting blank. Hardest worker in the draft. All right. I like it. And a heck of a matchup problem, too. Should be yes, a lot sir. of fun. Colby, can't wait. Best of luck this upcoming week. Uh, can't wait to uh, hear who calls your name and to, uh, see, and to see what you can do from there. Appreciate the time. Best of luck, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks so much. Stay safe. Yeah, big days ahead for uh, Colby Parkinson. Looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out. Do you, do you realize, and I, I had to do a double take when I saw this, you realize that Colby Parkinson caught as many touchdown passes as he threw 
and they both came in the same game. He caught a touchdown pass against Oregon State and, of course, uh, threw that touchdown against uh, the Beavers uh, to Davis Mills. That stands as one of the highlights for Stanford football in 2019. Parkinson, big-time matchup problem, and uh, he is certainly going to uh, be a threat, I would think, and I would hope, on the next level. Casey Tuhill. I would think and I would hope uh, could be a very useful player as well as an edge rusher to outstanding young men who I'm sure are going to give their all on the very next level. And Cam Scarlett, uh, you remember we were talking to David Shaw uh, about Cam Scarlett last week and uh, Shaw was was extremely high on, on what Scarlett can bring uh, to the National Football League. Apparently Cam did uh, very well in some of the uh, off-season uh, showcases, particularly one uh, down in Los Angeles a couple of months ago. So Tuhill and Parkinson with also Cam Scarlett as well. Hopefully all three of their names will be called later on this week. With the NFL draft beginning on Thursday, the first round, and then second and third rounds on Friday, and then uh, day three uh, with the final rounds taking place on Saturday. A lot to digest. And if you've got reactions on the TreeCast, on, on this show in particular, uh, overall, I welcome them. You've got reaction to anything that Kobe Parkinson said. You've got reaction to uh, Jared Hass's thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast. That is by far the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts uh, on, on, on Twitter. And I certainly appreciate uh, you taking time out and uh, checking us out uh, on the show uh, via Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, no matter how you digest the TreeCast. Uh, we're glad that you're, that, that you're here with us. You like the show? Great. Tell a friend, tell your family, tell your foes, tell folks about it. If you don't like the show, tell me about it. Let me know what I can do uh, to help make this program better in your mind. But I certainly always appreciate uh, hearing from you out there on the tree, on the tree cast, rather, at hashtag TreeCast. Now I'll put the wraps on this week's episode of the show. Big time special thanks to our guests once again, Stanford men's basketball head coach, Jared Hass and Stanford football tight end Colby Parkinson. Double coverage here on the TreeCast. Biggest thanks goes out to you for joining us and being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And stay home. Stay home. Let's do whatever we can to get through this and help the people who are on the front lines. If you're if you're a first responder, if you're if you're in healthcare right now, if you're helping to, to keep things going, uh, delivery folks, food service people, thank you big time for, for your help and keeping us going. And uh, if you're not, the biggest thing you can do to help them is to stay home. Stay home, stay healthy, and stay listening to the TreeCast. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks again for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.